here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Robin McCarron. Hashtag authority. Hashtag Steph Bouncy. Hashtag SmackDown 15. Jeff Hawkins. You done digging that hole? You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. Dance on your grave, dirt sheet writer. Hello and welcome everybody. It is Rob McCarron here alongside Jeff Hawkins, alongside in the world of the internet. Anyway, for Shake Them Ropes, it is episode 52 of Shake Them Ropes, and we are here to talk about Raw and SmackDown of this week, the fallout from WWE Survivor Series, and we're also going to review match number 99 in WWE Network's top 100 matches to see before you die, so we're going to get to DDP and Goldberg later, but Jeff Hawkins, how are you today, and happy early Thanksgiving. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Rob McCarran. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, it was my birthday on Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you party like it was your birthday? Um, I partied like it was Monday. Did you drink Bacardi like it was your birthday? I don't drink, so no. Did anybody give a F because it was your birthday? <laughs> I I don't think so. Actually. Okay. I don't know. Oh, I don't oh, know. It came off so sad. Oh, <laughs> poor me. Uh, yeah, it was my birthday. It was fun. So I got to uh, I celebrated on Sunday with uh, the family and then watched Survivor Series. So fun <laughs> night, fun day. And then we had our live call where Skype decided to be a jerk. Now stop it. Skype. Okay. Well, it's all right. Well, we all celebrate in different ways. I Yes. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm not the celebrating type. And I learned pretty early on because my birthday comes in uh, Thanksgiving week. And some years it'll be on Thanksgiving. So there's so much going on. And everyone's <laughs> celebrating the Thanksgiving holiday that, you know, I'm not making a big deal of my birthday because let's be real. I'm going to be celebrating the Thanksgiving holiday anyway. The family gets together. There's no sense in having two days of craziness. When there's already one planned. It's funny because in Los Angeles, there's this habit of throwing your own birthday party. Like, hey, I'm going to go get drinks at this bar. Everybody should come attend. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the danger in setting up your own birthday party is that nobody may come. So. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. But yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I guess that would be. Uh, yeah, you better hope that if you're celebrating your own birthday and throwing a party that someone shows up. But no, I, I mean, I just don't, I'm not a big uh, celebration type person. Like I don't have these big, you know, to do's probably because I call them to do's, Mm. but that's just not me. But speaking of hyped up and incredible celebrations, we had (laughs) raw from this Monday 
Jeff, your overall opinions from WWE Raw the night after Sting debuted in WWE. A night after there was a lot of energy around WWE. Going into this Raw, so much hype, so much energy, so much, I think, excitement for WWE that we haven't seen in months. What'd you think about after Raw? I didn't like it, but I was also criticized on the internet for not liking it. Um, you were criticized <laughs> on the internet? Yes, I, I, need to, uh, I need to ask you something. Go ahead um, and ask me. As, as our stateside listeners would know, there's a certain hot-button political issue going on in the states. Part of the criticism of my criticism, so to speak, was that the WWE anticipated this and was programming it around it. Now, do you think that's true? No. Okay. What was WWE? No, WWE wasn't programming towards Ferguson. Okay. I mean, not towards Ferguson, but but because in spite of no. that, that they knew people were going to be watching the aftermath of that, and they were I, that that was my theory too. Given that they don't do that with big, I mean, with big premieres and stuff, they counter program, you know, not hot shot angles, but big time angles to go up against stuff like that that they think is going to draw away eyeballs but you know i mean i'm open to criticism so i just wanted to put that out there no okay. w, i mean it was a news story sometimes news stories are going to break you also go up against monday night football you're not programming you know I, I mean what's the criticism that wwe was purposely putting on a slow paced or a boring show because they knew people weren't going to watch in as high a numbers well first of all people watched in higher numbers last or uh, this week on raw than and they last- had in months yeah, and then they left. Yeah, they left, but still the third hour of the show was higher than some third hours of previous Raws. There no, were still true. more eyeballs watching. There was a lot of excitement going into the show. And it still had 4 million viewers. Some of these Raws struggled to get 3.8. And, and to be fair to the people that I was having a dialogue with, the, the criticisms were mixed because it was like two of them in one in that this is the slow period of WWE and this is a holding pattern, so to speak. So I should come to expect these kinds of shows. It is the slow period of WWE. I mean, going into this fall, I, we had and, talked and about I, that. And I understand that, but I, I am also of the opinion that you had a rather buzzworthy pay-per-view. I'm not saying you, you throw out Sting the next night. Not not at all, but I... I, I it was... Ant- it's one of those weird things where when you watch a really good pay-per-view and then you watch a bad Raw the next day or what you think is a bad Raw the next day, or at least a Raw that doesn't live up to your expectations, you're going to be far more critical of it. This was a, for lack of a better term, a sports entertainment Raw. This is focusing heavily on the entertainment aspect of it, and I just didn't really enjoy it all that much. I think it was more positive on the matches than some other people were. Yeah, um, no, I liked them. The matches were fine for what they were. They're just, you know, it, it was a lot of bread and not enough meat in this sandwich for but me. But a lot of people will look at, you know, the main event was fine for what it was. There was some good yeah. action in there. It was a three on two. And John Cena, Dolph Ziggler get another another strong win, basically, for Dolph being in there with John Cena. I think a lot of people will look at the Dean Ambrose-Luke Harper finish and get soured on the whole match, even though up until that point, it was a pretty good match. You know what? I kind of, I kind of dug the finish to that. To be honest with you, I liked the viciousness of the beatdown. Well, to be honest with you, but we'll get into well, that. The beatdown with Bray Wyatt, um, yes. on Dean Ambrose, that was fine. The finish okay. to the actual match, because Bray Wyatt didn't cause a disqualification. Right. The DQ was caused because Luke Harper 
pushed Dean Ambrose. Oh, that was. And yeah, it just that... so happened that Dean Ambrose run into the ref. Basically, the referee called for a DQ because he was out of position. On incidental contact. Dean yeah. Ambrose hit him. Oh, Luke Harper pushed Dean Ambrose into me on purpose. I'm going to call for the bell. That may be the case, but Jesus Christ, stop standing so close to a competitor in the match. That's uh, why I hated that finish. Now, I know why they do it, and I'm not going to... I mean, you want to find a creative way, but sometimes you just... If you're going to do a DQ finish, make it a DQ. Stop trying to be creative and cute with something that's just so illogical. Because let's face yeah. it, the referee was out of position, and that's why he called the DQ. I mean, if if you have the two guys fighting, and then, you know, they just decide, you know, kind of, you know, how... Dusty would do it back in the day where they're they're so into fighting, he just shoves the referee out of the way so he can continue the fight. That would have been a fine DQ. I, I didn't understand this one, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, it was just a DQ that make a, didn't make a lot of sense. Um, we now, had. I'm going to ask you a question because ask I, me. I always end up opining first, and I feel that's sometimes unfair question to you. Question time. Question time. How did you feel about the 30-minute opening segment? Okay. So this is a very polarizing issue. Yes, it is. That's why I asked. <laughs> the 30-minute opening segment. We had the authority coming out. For 15 minutes, they talked and talked and spoke about, you know, how basically they tried to turn it as if the show without their power is going to go down to the, the tubes. And the authority was the reason why this show kept going. And the people are going to be begging for the authority to come back in months once they realize the show is doomed without them. That was the premise of their promo. Then we get the return of Daniel Bryan. And it was certainly an exciting moment because we weren't really expecting Daniel Bryan. And I'm sure it was a, a very good moment for the crowd there in Indianapolis because they weren't expecting Daniel Bryan. And he's the type of performer that gets you a really good live reaction. And I know this because Daniel Bryan was on TV to talk for 15 minutes and I really didn't care about Daniel Bryan after he was done. But I was in Fort Wayne. I was in the Coliseum on Tuesday night for SmackDown and Daniel Bryan's appearance in front of the live crowd is a lot different than Daniel Bryan appearing in front of the TV. Uh, if you're just watching it on TV, it's a fun person. It's a fun gimmick to be a part of chanting. Yes. And doing all this stuff and seeing the energy in the building. Um, I was down on this segment the 30 minutes because I think triple H and Stephanie, as usual, they could have said the same exact thing in seven minutes that they took 15 to say, I thought Stephanie was excellent. She was Kind of humiliated. She was upset. She was frustrated. She was brought to tears a couple of times. Stephanie was excellent as usual. The segment could have gone a lot quicker. And then Daniel Bryan going through the entire authority members to give them their assignments for the night. It was just so long. And I wish they would have spread it out. You can do all of that throughout the show, but spread it out so it's not all at one time. Yeah, you could do the, he's sitting in an office and they each come in individually. Yeah. Like, Here's your assignment type thing. I and, thought that would have been clever. And then send them out. Because what yeah. What was anything, the only thing I uh, think that would have actually garnered steam throughout the show and that could have been done in that first segment was the Seth Rollins main event match. Right. You, you make that and promote it throughout the show. But everything else could have been done where, yeah, they come into an office that he's in, he gives them the assignment, and then they send them out in the next segment and do whatever they said. There was yeah, nothing that, that was actually building for the rest of the show that would have got gotten eyeballs to tune in. Yeah, for me, this was the law of diminishing returns. Happy to see him back. And then all the kind of jumping in front of Hunter and Steph doing yes was kind of, uh, uh, you have to suspend your disbelief a bit that nobody would punch somebody doing that to that was, you. That was the payoff. 
Yeah. That was and the payoff to the entire Authority Daniel Bryan segment was him chanting yes in front of them from something he didn't do. And then leave him out there to die. Because I could even feel the crowd just going, ugh, a bit on yeah. TV. And the crowd really wanted to like him because they were yes. surprised by his return, but he was just out there so long just why, saying words. Why would you do that to someone that the audience likes? And it's not his strong I, I suit. Don't, I, I don't want to say there's any malfeasance involved in, in doing that, but you really kind of made him look bad here. This isn't his forte. Play to his strengths. Yeah, that wasn't his strength. I, I mean, this was just a kickoff to what was... A relatively weak show. I could find the good in it. Again, I like the matches, but everything that was not in the ring, I was just a big downer on. Yeah. You and I both. I, I mean, think. good for Larry the Cable Guy to come out there. I mean, he's the fakest gimmick on the show, but the crowd was, the crowd gave him some leeway. Well, let me, let me, in defense of Larry the Cable Guy, who I feel gets unfairly maligned at times, he may not be your cup of tea, but he's worked hard. I Oh, yeah. I met him a few times on the stand-up circuit when I was doing stand-up, and he's one of the nicest guys you can meet. He plays his character to a T. Oh, yeah. And he was game, and that's the kind of host you want on Monday Night Raw, is is you want a game host. Sure, some of the lines were a bit weird or fell flat or a little try-hard, but he was game for anything, and I have no problem with that. His his part of the Kane and Santino segment backstage, <laughs> he was he was the best part of it. Well, I think Kane might have been the best part. Well, of it. yeah, I think Kane when, was pretty when he good. Said, when he said, "I'm a big fan," Kane was all right in that. Um, I, I I popped a bit for that. I gotta admit. Then Larry the Cable Guy. What I didn't like, and it wasn't even Larry the Cable Guy's fault, was the segment where he's doing commentary for Adam Rose. Oh no, that no, and that was yeah. That I mean, that's another. They didn't know how to play to his strengths. No, and on commentary during that match, first of all, it's another Adam Rose Bunny match. We've seen it. You know, it's nothing different that they're doing right now with that. But we saw Larry the Cable Guy sitting there on announcing, not knowing what was going on. And Jerry Lawler decided at that moment he was going to explain the entire Adam Rose and the Bunny storyline and the Natalia Tyson Kidd storyline in the three minutes of TV time that they had. He was going to just explain WWE storylines to Larry the Cable Guy. Which was more awkward, him or Kevin Hart? Um... I don't really remember the Kevin Hart experience that much. I think it was more awkward for Larry the Cable Guy just because of Jerry Lawler's interaction with him. Okay, because Kevin Hart, I, as I recall, he had no clue what was going on. Oh, no, he absolutely he was didn't. in there. None of them uh, do. Yeah, it, it's just, it's one of those things. It feels like, you know, when they have Divas matches and they have two or three Divas on commentary and there's just, everything becomes white noise all of a sudden. And you're just like, be quiet. Right. <laughs> you just gotta tell your TV, shut up and let me watch this. I know it's ridiculous, but let me watch it. Yeah, it it was uh I mean there were there were some things that you could like about this Raw. Um but going to SmackDown the next night, I think SmackDown is a better show, not just because of the content that's on there, but because it's shorter. It just doesn't wear you out over three hours. You can get everything in in two, and it forces you to kind of cut this fat that you end up putting in a three-hour raw. Yeah, I I admittedly uh, only watched the first hour live, went to bed knowing that we were taping later in the week, and then went on DVR, and it's a far—my mood is far more <laughs> jovial when I do that. Uh, my, my MVP for Raw was Jamie Noble. Okay. He, he, he cracked me up. 
I would have, uh, I mean, <laughs> calling them more like the Shield, the Shield 2.0. Uh, I my only issue with that, and this is another thing I may be wrong with. I know what they're getting at. They're getting at these two, or you know, they're they're smaller than most stars, so they're going to get bullied and whatnot. But part of me kind of wanted both Noble and and Mercury to be somewhat semi legitimate threats. Not not necessarily overpowering threats, but you knew going in that it wasn't just going to be a comedy match. Am I am I off base on that feeling? Well, the whole thing was set up because they were comedy. Yeah, I know, but and, I mean, well, what I was confused about is the fact that okay, they're promoting these two guys as comedy, right? These former champions in your company, and they're not exactly like sixty years old like the former goofs were. You know, the Stooges back in the day, Jerry Briscoe and and Pat Patterson, they were old, so they were well after their prime. Jamie Noble and Joey Mercury aren't that far removed from their prime. Like they're still two guys who can work in the ring. So on the one hand, they're promoting them as goofs and they do the opening spot where they run into each other, like absolute goofballs. And then they come out and have a competitive match. If you're going to have the competitive match with John Cena, the face of your company and Dolph Ziggler, the rising star, then just promote them as former champions and former wrestlers who are maybe a little out of their game, but still have something to prove. Yeah, I would have liked. Yeah, that's what I would have liked. I think. I think. Um, I I don't mind them being promoted as comedy. Once again, the ring. I would have liked maybe to see the faces uh, underestimate them a bit and get taken a bit off guard, and then kind of come back and really. Okay, you guys are still talented, but. You've been at, you have ring rust or what have you, and and here's what I'm going to show you what to do. I don't know about you know having the having John Cena and Dolph Ziggler underestimate them because you know their their whole gimmicks is that they go out there and and do it all the same way every night. So I don't know if right. you're going to underestimate these guys, but if you're going to p- portray these guys as goofballs and as stooges, then make yeah. them goofballs and stooges. Don't have them go out there and have a competitive match. If you're going to have them being competitive, then okay. Promote them as such, and not I the mean, goofballs. I think it's just my aversion to goofballs on TV. Yeah. I think that that might be it. But you I know, mean, even even the goofballs, like like I I always view this as kind of the uh, Tony Soprano corollary, where they're Silvio and Polly Walnuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're 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 they they, get, they have their comical features, but when it comes down to it, they they have a bit of viciousness to them. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, what do you think of, uh, I'm asking questions today, isn't this nice? Uh, the, the, how they followed up with Ziggler. Uh, the, I mean, the follow-up to Ziggler was fine because, again, they have him uh, playing somewhat strong in the main event of the show in the same ring as John Cena. Do you think Cena overshadowed him at all? Well, he overshadows everybody. Yes, I so know. So he's going to. I, I think, I mean, because, again, we've seen the Dolph Ziggler push so often. Yeah, we've that's seen true. it a lot. You know, it's not like all of a sudden this is Dolph Ziggler's breakout because two months from now he's going to be forgotten because you're going to have Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker coming back and Sting and Triple H and all this happening. Dolph Ziggler doesn't really have a set anything for WrestleMania. So in two months, he is going to be just another guy. So let's not all get too excited. Do we want Dolph Ziggler to be the star he could be, especially after his? You know, somewhat of a breakout night at Survivor Series? Yes. Is it going to happen? Probably not anytime soon. 
Not until after WrestleMania when all the stars go away and they can actually devote time to Dolph Ziggler. Because what, I mean, what is Dolph Ziggler going to do after the Royal Rumble at this point? Battle for the IC title with Luke Harper again? Is he going to wrestle, I mean, I don't even know, Big Show? Well, I mean, that's a problem with everybody, if you really think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, let's not, I mean, let's get excited that Dolph Ziggler is finally, you know, in something. Look, I'm not getting the Cesaro excited, the Cesaro, Bray Wyatt post-WrestleMania. Oh, new boom period, new new faces on top, finally. I I guess what I want to (laughs) say is, you know, he was in the main event, overshadowed or not by John Cena. Nothing that they did on Raw on Monday night hurt Dolph Ziggler any. Okay. That's what I really wanted. Yeah, nothing hurt him. I should have I should have phrased my question a little better. Yeah, you finally get the chance to ask questions, and what do you do? You ruin it. Well, I just don't like giving you the chance to talk, because I never know when I'll be back. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we were talking, because I, uh, I, you mentioned it. I did a little run-in on the Voices of Wrestling podcast, their episode 100, mm. uh, which were, I don't know how, but we're already halfway to them. I feel like they've been doing it forever, their show, and we're already halfway to their episodes. But we we double up a couple weeks. Sometimes we do a uh, double, and then they went a while with uh, with doing Hall of Fame stuff, so they real didn't really have any regular episodes. But um, yes, but I'm only half as good as most of them. Right, ran in on their show, <laughs> did a little uh, did a little guest spot, and uh, yeah, they came up with the idea that uh, at some point. Now I don't know if you heard this or not. I haven't listened. I just knew you did the run in. Okay. So what was proposed, mm-hmm. and you're the only one who hasn't been told this yet, is what if we do like a trading places type deal where you guest on the Voices of Wrestling and co-host one episode while Joe Lanza comes and co-hosts an episode of Shake Them Ropes? I'm down. That's what was proposed. As long as, long as I know what I'm talking about, which... Yeah, you're going to have to watch a lot of New Japan. I'd have no problem with New Japan. I could, or if they want to talk Crockett, if they want to talk Smoky Mountain, if they want to talk ECW... I can talk all those. I, I got I got plenty of stuff in my wheelhouse I can opine yeah. and bloviate on. Maybe and maybe we can coincide this after your trip to PWG too. Ooh. You can yes. go and talk about, you know, pro yes, wrestling I am, gorilla. I am I am going to Black Coal Sun. I am quite excited. Quite the name. I'm quite excited for you because that is uh, looking like some lineup there in I, pro I wrestling finally gorilla. get I finally get to contribute a show that I've seen yes. on this show as opposed to you making all the road trips. Oh, so many road trips and I went to SmackDown on Tuesday. But yeah, I oh. was uh, I was on the Pro Wrestling Gorilla website cuz I was interested in seeing uh, you know, what the tickets were like. And yeah, they're a bit pricey. I don't know, but it looks like they might be sold out already. What's oh, yeah, the, they, what's the uh, story with PWG? I mean, cuz they have I mean, it's very limited room. But as far as yes. ticket sales, it's 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 a VFW hall. It's right. a veteran for foreign wars hall. Here's the thing, and and this floored me too. I went. I was on the site when tickets went live, and it was having you know a little bit of trouble loading up and whatnot, but because of the traffic. But within thirty seconds of going live, front row tickets were sold out. Yeah. I I had it in my queue and I clicked buy and they said we're already out and mm. I went I went that's yeah. that's re- re- redonkulous I can't possibly no I I had it in, it's in my hands you handed it to me and you took it away you sons of ah uh, 
But then I, you know, then I quickly went and got a general admission before they all got sold out and, and said, ha ha, eat it. Well, because I, really, really front row versus other things, aren't. it's not that much because I think there's like four rows. I would, uh, <laughs> if I went there, I honestly would probably just stand because it, nothing looks too far away. Well, I, it's hard to stand because they've shoved so many chairs in there. Right. It gets hot because they don't turn on the air conditioner. Well, that's why I think um, <laughs> December would be the perfect show, because one, it's December. That's about as cold as you're going to get there in Southern California. They're, they're always, they, they run out of pitchers of beer very early and keep asking for pitchers to be recycled. Um, so it's a rowdy crowd. Um, it's, it's a little bit like your NXT crowd you were talking about. A lot of people who are... Except less very, organized. Uh, very, so. very opinionated. Yeah. Um, want to be part of the show. At times, depending on levels of drunkenness, um, there's a little stargazing to be had at times, uh, sure. which is nice. But I, I never bug them. I just kind of, you know, I, you know, sup, you know, that kind of thing. Because uh, <laughs> a, I'm, I'm shy about such matters. Anywho, I want to go hang with Devin Sawa. I don't think he was at the last show, but he might have been. Okay, uh, yeah, but anywho, uh, but it's a, it's a. Con- it's a collegial atmosphere. Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, men in their 20s and 30s of various states of facial hair with ironic T-shirts. Yeah. So if you uh, if you what is go- is L.A. burning down in the background there? No, that's my air conditioner. Oh, I'm OK. Sorry. OK. Is it super warm where you are? It, it Actually, we got a bit of a warm front today. Wow. So so it's it's, uh, it's yeah, 30 it like, here. It was like 80. Yeah. Today. Yeah, it's just... I I apologize for that you, noise. You, no, it's not all right. You should apologize for the heat. Yeah. You should apologize for that. Um, so, yeah, Voices of Wrestling episode 100. Go check that out. Go uh, listen to my rant on Eddie Kingston. Even though Rich and Joe like to ignore that I was even on the show. I don't know why. But uh, what are you going to do? Uh, uh, but yeah, that'll, well, that'll, well, hold on. While we're talking Voices of Wrestling, a quick yeah. thank you to Dylan Hales for joining us on the live Survivor Series post game show, and Absolutely. for all of you, and for all of you who listened, um, and 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 tolerated us. Yes, thank you all. <laughs> it, it's an interesting idea because we won't be able to do it for TLC because I'm going to be at TLC. Um, but I, that's I'm, something I want to do kind of regularly in uh, in the next yeah. year. Is you know these post pay per view. Um, Maybe, uh, you know, going live and getting feedback instantly on WWE pay-per-views. And we do that at ShakeThemRopes.com. We did, uh, with Dylan Hales, we did a live show after Survivor Series, and it was fun. We had people calling in, even though we couldn't take all the calls because, uh, you know, Skype had some things going on with it. But, yeah, it was fun. Uh, I may record something post-show if I can find someone. Ooh, yeah. uh, I I don't want to advertise it because I can't guarantee it. Okay. Yeah, you you do it, and I'll, I'll call in. And give my oh, live excellent. thoughts. Yes. That, actually, that'd be kind of cool because I called in before. So, yeah, sure. There you go. Uh, yeah, so we'll see what we have going on TLC because it's only two weeks away. I mean, mm-hmm. it's coming right up. There's already matches announced and everything. Um, before we get, because I went to a SmackDown Live on Tuesday. Before we get into uh, my live thoughts from the SmackDown and main event tapings, anything else from Raw that we really need to get into? Uh, your thoughts on AJ. Well, you know what? Something, nothing. I'll I'll give my thoughts. I'll give my thoughts on AJ Lee when we talk about SmackDown because uh, something happens on SmackDown with her and the Bellas. All right. Well, then let's get into it. All right. So let's get into that. Now, let's do this. We'll just start with the Bellas and lead off your question about AJ Lee. So AJ Lee is 
I don't even know what she is. She's a very attractive female who's married to one Phil Brooks. She's a very attractive female. She's <laughs> one of the better in-ring wrestlers, and not just because of wrestler technical skills ability, but just the overall presentation. You know, she got people to buy into her pretty early in her run in WWE, and the people are still kind of bought into her. But I will say this about AJ Lee, and if you watch SmackDown on Friday, I'm about to say something that happens on SmackDown now. Not, not necessarily a spoiler, because there's no match or nothing, but... The Bellas are a team now. And we, mm-hmm. we talked about Sunday after Survivor Series. I guess for some it was obvious that Brie Bella was fully on the side of Nikki Bella. I didn't think so on Sunday night. I didn't realize that she was all back together. I thought it was just a ruse like we had talked about to get the title on her sister so she could take it off of her. Mm-hmm. But no, they're a team now. They're back to being the Bella Twins. On Tuesday's SmackDown tapings, on the Friday Night SmackDown show... The Bellas will be a participant. I think Brie wrestles and Nikki is on the outside or it might be Nikki wrestling. I'm not exactly sure. I don't remember already. But after this match, Nikki Bella cuts one of the best promos I have ever heard her cut. You're lying. No. She cuts okay. a very good promo and it's a baby face promo because she is, <laughs> she is speaking truth. She is saying exactly what people think of AJ Lee right now, which is that she comes out and whines about losing the title and how, uh, you know, she speaks in the cadence of CM Punk and all this stuff. And she talks about how she's... Wait, does she, wait, does she say that exactly? No, she doesn't say that exactly. She intimates okay. it. Okay. But she's out there, you know, explaining exactly how she's worked hard since coming back into WWE to get that title back. And AJ Lee just whines when she doesn't have her way. And I don't remember word for word, but I'm listening to this, and I even tweeted it out. Like, this is one babyface fire of a promo. Like, this is yes. one of the better babyface promos I've heard. There is, there's so much reason right now to like Nikki Bella, and not a whole lot of reason to like AJ Lee. And AJ Lee, not unlike, comes from, uh, you know, months of feuding with Paige, where she wasn't very likable. And now she, I mean, she's a girl out there who admits she's a horrible person and has no friends. And we're supposed to like AJ Lee? The divas are so oddly booked. They are so all, much so. In that all of them are inherently unlikable in some way. Yeah. I think. Well, maybe not all of them. Someone's going to write, well, what about this person? Okay. Most of them are written to be catty, backstabbing, and crazy. And Nikki, uh, AJ Lee has come out and cut a couple of promos. And I hear people say, and, and Joe Lanza said this on the Voices of Wrestling show, you know, that AJ is starting to speak in her promos like CM Punk did using her cadence. I haven't seen that really at all. I think she's using the same cadence she's done, you know, in two years. Uh, but I, I, I think it's the sarcasm combined with the staccato four or five right. word things, but I, I can which, see, which relates I, to, which relates to CM Punk. But at the same time, if you've been watching AJ Lee, she's done that for two years. Yes, she's been I, doing the same thing that CM Punk was doing. I it's get not it, something I, new. I, yes, I, I well, I agree with both sides because I think it's a, it's a. Yes, you can see that, if if you want to see that, um, but I'm not sure it's a far stretch from what she's been doing. How about that? Sure, but I yeah. think it's I think it's a competent criticism. 
I will say watch uh, watch this Nikki Bella promo. Maybe I'm incredibly wrong. Maybe they'll edit it in a different way. But Nikki Bella cut one hell of a babyface promo. And if uh, you watch it on Friday, tweet at us at Shake Them Ropes if you disagreed or if you you know thought the same thing. I w- I'm interested in hearing people's thoughts on this promo. I don't think it's you know going to be one of those things where people are flocking to SmackDown to see this Nikki Bella promo. But uh, she actually wrestled Emma on the show. And this is why this was notable. The match wasn't so much notable. Okay, darn. Emma came out with her music. And, oh my God. I know there was only just a couple thousand people in this building. It was a pretty uh, heavily tarped up Memorial Coliseum in Fort Wayne for SmackDown. But Mm -hmm. during Emma's entrance, it's the quietest I've ever heard. And that's about the only sound you heard because all you could hear (laughs) is the entrance music. The crowd was as still and as silent as I've ever heard a wrestling crowd during an entrance anywhere ever from WWE shows to the one TNA show I went to, to the multiple ring of honor and other indie shows. The, The crowd in Fort Wayne was so quiet when Emma came to the ring. It was so sad. And Emma is in there dancing in the ring, knowing she's getting no reaction. And it was just all around sad. So I guess she didn't get a, survivor series rub oh god no okay no this crowd i don't know if it was a case of they not knowing who she was because she's not on tv very regularly or just it's emma so who cares she was just she was the focal point of your of your divas match at survivor series on sunday they should know who she is yeah but again fewer people see survivor series than see raw and smackdown and she's never on raw and smackdown so okay you know i mean she's just not on that's just disappointing. Although, news. oddly it, enough, yeah, it, it was disappointing for the fact that I like Emma, but that music is the death of her, and she really shouldn't be doing that dance anymore. You got to find yeah, something the, else. Yeah, being the spastic dancing weirdo isn't gonna isn't gonna bring people to your side. Nope, because that's something that, and it took a while in NXT for her to get that over. Is it's something the crowd has to start from the beginning and kind of follow along and like from the beginning, right? But there's not going to be any point in history now where Emma's going to get that dance over. No. It's not going to happen. It's dead. Repackage her. Uh, Sami Zayn, the people actually popped pretty good for Sami Zayn coming out for a dark match. He wrestled uh, Justin Gabriel in a dark match between Main Event and SmackDown. Uh-huh. So he was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, yeah, the crowd actually knew who he was, so he's only on the network. So go figure. Maybe, maybe people just don't care about Emma. More people see her every week than see uh, Sami Zayn, but... That was fun. Uh, the main event was probably uh, one of the weaker main events that have been on TV in a while. Um, did see nice. Scarlet there. Scarlet was kind of the head rosebud. Nice. So she's uh, she's been in that rosebud group for quite a while. Scarlet was it Boudreaux or Bordeaux? Bordeaux, like the wine, I believe. Bordeaux, yeah, which is a red wine, and she has red hair. Well, oddly, I, I mean, I never really cared about the last name. I always thought it was Boudreaux, and then I was told I was wrong. I'm like, I, all right, I haven't seen it written in forever, so I, I must have been just wrong from the beginning. Here lies Rob McCarron. He was told he was wrong. I tell you what, though, I'm going to rock <laughs> those TLC predictions because now I'm a man on a mission. I'm only you're one, I'm only one game. I'm only one game behind you in these predictions, so don't think you're in this unsurmountable lead. Oh, I have historical reference from the other yeah. picks. All right. I, uh, I'm 4-1, you're, and you're 5-0. and oh. We're close. In your mind. I, I'm close in my mm-hmm. mind. Um, Daniel Bryan was on SmackDown this week. Mm. So he uh, he was there. He was a big surprise because he wasn't advertised at all for Fort Wayne. Better um, treatment than Raw? Uh, but, well, oh, yeah. 
Okay. Well, well, one, the crowd was really into him. And also, he didn't talk for a long period of time. He came All out. Right. Uh, he made a match for the main event. Uh, a lot of criticism from Raw was the fact that Daniel Bryan made Rusev uh, exclaim the Pledge of Allegiance or else he would have to defend his title in a battle royal. And he, With the, with the entire roster. With I the recall. entire roster. And he did not say the Pledge of Allegiance on Raw. But right. Daniel Bryan did not force him into a battle royal. So it was like, what happened there? Well, guess what happens? On Tuesday, Daniel Bryan comes out. And he says the battle royal is happening tonight. So on SmackDown, there is a all roster battle royal where Rusev defends the U.S. title. All roster? Um, well, actually, almost. Almost everyone who was there was in this match. Yes. Cena? Not the whole roster. Well, Cena wasn't there at all. Okay. Yeah, you know, this was. I mean, it's SmackDown. Oh, oh, the all all roster of those who have shown up for the SmackDown tapings. Oh. You know, you got your superstars roster, and that's who's there. <laughs> Dean Ambrose, well, aside from Daniel Bryan, Dean Ambrose and maybe The Big Show were the biggest names on the SmackDown taping. And no Triple H appearance, no anybody. Daniel Bryan was the big star, and I think that's what helped this crowd because uh, they weren't expecting Daniel Bryan, and they got him. So he was the GM of SmackDown as well. And uh, if I'm if yeah. I'm Rusev and I know that I'm purposely asking for that battle royal with oh no the superstars are here come battle, on battle royal was really good it was a good battle royal but I think oh. battle royals are more fun to watch live than they are on TV yes so I mean who knows how it's going to portray but there was a really cool finish it was Jack Swagger and Rusev who were the final two so it looks like definitely that's the direction they're going is Jack Swagger again trying to you know knock off the undefeated Russian more. Terrible JBL commentary forthcoming. Um, there was a really good Ryback and Seth Rollins match. Okay. On the SmackDown taping. Uh, and even though it was promoted for Raw, SmackDown got the debut of The New Day. Are they faces or heels? They are super baby faces. Okay. They wrestled Heath Slater, Titus O'Neil, and Curtis Axel as perfect Slater Gator. Mm-hmm. How did how, that go over? The new, I think the people liked the New Day Live because they were really excited. They came out, they come out dancing, and they're going all over the place. They all have matching gear, and it's all light blue. Mm-hmm. They get in there, they're hitting power moves, they're hitting flying moves. And then after the match, they messed around with Michael Cole on commentary. They're just guys who are out there having super, you know, a lot of fun. So the crowd got pretty into it. And their music's not bad. They're just out here having fun, Maggle. Maggle. They're just out here having fun. You know what was odd, though? The main event on the taping was Dolph Ziggler and Luke Harper, or Luke Harper for the IC title. And uh, it was made by Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. Really long match. It was pretty good. Good. For whatever reason, and I don't know how this is going to come across on TV, halfway through the match, Michael Cole left commentary. Got up, took the headset off, was starting to show whatever was on his phone to the timekeeper with no headset on. Just, just left. You know, Tom Phillips and JBL are still there. I can, I see him. I was in the, I was sitting on the floor in the second row. So it's right in front of me. And I see them talking and Michael Cole is just hanging out at the timekeeper area. And then maybe once the, once the match actually ended and they did some post-match stuff, Michael Cole just took off. Might be for a pre-tape they did. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there. If you just decided, you know what, my night's over. 
or whatever the whatever the hell happened, but he just kind of got up. Uh, it was an interesting, I mean, it was a fun show live. You know, WWE shows are pretty fun live, even though it felt pretty long because we got two dark matches. We got the whole main event taping and the main event taping really wasn't good. Um, there was a Fandango match. There was a Dean Ambrose Kane main event, which wasn't that great. Um, so yeah, it was all right. It was a fun show. Uh, it was kind of sad seeing the audience in Fort Wayne because I don't think they're going to come back with TV anytime soon because it was pretty poor. But that was SmackDown. Or at least those are the big important parts of SmackDown. Okay. Yeah, there it is. But if you're interested in good wrestling, like I said, yes, I am a pro The Ryback fan. But The Ryback and Seth Rollins have a pretty good match on SmackDown. I'll look into it that then. Yeah, it's worth watching. And then if you watch it and you think it was not very good and you tweet me saying, what are you talking about, you idiot? That was awful. Don't call him an idiot. He's, he's sensitive. I'm a little sensitive. But if you didn't like it, that's fine. That's up to you. I thought it was pretty good. The Ryback. I had a, I had a buddy who went with me who has never been to a wrestling show live ever, mm-hmm. but watched wrestling in like the late 90s like everyone else did. Okay. So he was pretty excited about the show. He, I mean, obviously, uh, it was funny in the Battle Royal. He's looking in the ring and like, yeah, these guys are a lot smaller than I used to see, but they're all in shape except for that one guy. And I'm like, oh, the big show? I was like, no, uh, the, the guy with the long black hair. And he pointed, and it was Rusev. <laughs> I thought Rusev wasn't in shape. I uh, know he's, he, okay. Just okay. thick, dude. But yeah, there were, I mean, yeah, he's right, though. There's a lot of smaller guys, but a lot of fit athletic guys. Did, did you there. look at him at that point and go, you know, he's nailing the blonde? Um, I, no, because one of his comments earlier in the night, I think when the Bellows were in the ring, he's like, if these girls weren't on TV, they would be the biggest white trash. <laughs> like, all right. All right. You took a very opinionated friend. He was, he was very upset halfway through the show when the concession stands closed and he couldn't get his 10th and 11th beer. Oh, jeez. Say no more. He was, he was really in. Yeah. You, you, you buried the Let, lead. Let's just say he got louder as the night progressed. <laughs> let's just say that. Oh, so that car ride was fun oh i i didn't ride in the same car are you kidding me <laughs> okay you're riding in the same car with this guy no he had someone else uh so someone else drive him because he couldn't drive at that point but yeah no it, it's fun i like when i go to shows and i used to do this with ring of honor i would uh you know i would try to sit with people who were at maybe their first ring of honor show or i, I want to get like first time reactions from people like you know, because we have our reactions when we've you've gone to a PG or PWG show multiple times, you kind of know what your reactions are going to be. You already know who you like, who you dislike. But I like seeing first time reactions like who comes across as a big star to you, having never seen any of these people before. And the only person this guy had ever seen on WWE TV was the big show in Kane. Every other person on that show was new to him. So I could see, OK, who was resonating with you? Who? Who did you like? Who did you dislike? What did you think was cool? I and mean, he was a really big fan of the Miz Dow gimmick. You know, the, the match that Miz and Miz Dow have on main event that you can see on WWE Network. He was a really big fan of Miz Dow's gimmick once I explained it to him. I explained, okay, this guy is pretending to be the other guy, so he mimics everything. And then he got way into the Miz Dow gimmick. So, hey, okay. for casual fans, it's working. You know? 
Sweet. I, I like to see those first time reactions because I want to know because, you know, we live in a bubble. We've seen wrestling for 15 years and, and in your case, much longer. And, you know, we know kind of some of the backstory, but these, these new fans are just going to the shows and they just watch it on TV and they just like what they like. And I like seeing that perspective sometimes. So I, I would, uh, I sat next to this guy and when someone was in the ring, I would ask him, who's, who's the good guy here? Who do you like? Who do you dislike? And, and all that jazz. And that's one of the things that affirmed to me the Nikki Bella promo because after the Nikki Bella, Brie Bella, and AJ segment on SmackDown, you know, he was asking why is, uh, he was asking why is AJ attacking this person or why was that girl attacking this girl? And I would tell him the story and, and then they have this promo and he's like, well, I like Nikki Bella more. I'm like, well, there you go. There you go. Speaking of first time, uh, Viewing, is this the first time you'd seen DDP versus Goldberg on the network, which is a transition into our talk about the number 99 on 100 matches you must watch on the WWE Network talk? That, that was a good transition. It is the first time I've seen DDP Goldberg in its entirety really? since Halloween Havoc and the Nitro afterwards. Okay. Because I was someone who ordered Halloween Havoc 1998. As was I. And... I was so amazed because or I stole it. I can't remember no, which I legitimately paid for it and watched it. And okay. then I'm like, my cable company was one that turned the show off at 10 o'clock or at 11 right. o'clock. And DDP and Goldberg didn't start until 1104. So I listened to the main event because it was still in the days of scrambled pay-per-views. So I couldn't see it, but I could listen to it. Right. So I listened to it and then they showed it the next night on Nitro, but this is the first time I've seen it in its entirety since 1998. Ooh. What about you? Had you seen it since then? Not since then. I I uh that would require me going back to the network and watching it over and over again, but I remember a lot of the context of the build of the match and whatnot. I remember, I mean, this is and it's funny in hindsight and, you know, hearing people's opinions cuz I think both Due to the WWEization of history that both DDP and Goldberg kind of get unfairly maligned, and also just due to the internet at the time, they were getting unfairly maligned. Yeah, Goldberg's not the most versatile performer in the world. I get that. And yeah, he was probably overpushed in relation to his talent, but he was a star. DDP got so blasted for being Eric Bischoff's buddy. But the dude went into the power plant at, what, age 35, 37, and busted his butt. And he wasn't a star yet, but this was his ascension. Um, and it's funny, because he I, for, I had kind of forgotten he was doing the People's Champ gimmick, yep. which I believe The Rock glommed from him, not the other way around. Um he was the people's champion because he was the common man. He was the common man. He was just a hard, he was kind of, it wasn't exactly Dusty Rhodes-esque, but yeah, he, and he was starting to get a vocal, vocal fan base within within the crowd. Oh, absolutely. Just, ju- just due to being a star. See, it's odd because I'd watched DDP for close to, oh man, two decades almost at this point. Maybe Maybe that's a bit long. This is what, 99? Since at least 89, I guess, when he was a manager for Bad Company in the AWA, and he towered over both Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond, or if you want, the second version of the Orient Express in the WWF. Um, and they came to 
WCW. I loved his promos in the AWA because he was still doing his good God shtick. And for some reason, that always popped me. Uh, he he came back and he was a manager for the Freebirds, even though he towered over them too. And the Diamond Stud. And then he was part of the Vegas Express with Kevin Nash as Vinny Vegas. And then he kind of went into the ether and became kind of a preliminary guy, but he was working and working and working and he was having better matches and better matches and better matches. And then all of a sudden, just, you know, through attrition and hard work, he became, in my opinion, a very entertaining wrestler to watch. What about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I was a WCW fan at this point, and you could see the buildup of DDP. I think it really started to happen in his feud with Randy Savage. Yes, and the just, Savage feud made him. Yeah, I think, and it just kept going. Um, especially, I was, especially the uh, the one uh, during the uh, NWO story when he dressed up as La Parka, mm-hmm. and he and he uh, and he got the win over Scott Hall, or not over Scott Hall, over Savage, and and Scott Hall was celebrating and whatnot. Um, yeah, uh, continue. I'm sorry. I was just getting a little distracted because uh, apparently, in breaking news. Is, we, have, we have to get an. We have to get a bed for breaking. I do got to get a breaking news bed. Um, on Colt Cabana's podcast, I don't know if it's released tomorrow, if he's doing the interview tomorrow. Uh, but CM Punk is going to be his guest, talking about his leaving WWE. So, if you want to hear more about WWE and CM Punk, you're gonna have to listen I, to the Colt Cabana podcast. Quick, quick, quick poll between you and I. Are you interested in that? Probably not. I don't know if I want to listen to an hour of it. I will. I'll get the bullet points. I yeah. I'm kind of. I, I like. I like CM Punk. You don't. We we we. It's not we, that I don't like him. Um, he's vastly overrated by the majority of of CM Punk mega fans. Uh, he's good, but I'm not. I don't dislike him. Okay. I just. I. I I'm wondering how bitter this is going to come off. That's. That's my one concern. But uh, let's get back to Goldberg and, and DDP. Goldberg and DDP. So Halloween Havoc 1998. This was the match that not only was the pay-per-view cut off before it started, but it was also the match that came after Hollywood Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior. Yes. So it had the privilege of coming after that megastar mess. Um, I, and that's one of the things I looked at. I was amazed how big the crowd was still into this main event after seeing the Hogan Warrior debacle. Crowd was actually pretty into this, especially in the final two minutes. I think the crowd was looking for something to cheer for after that debacle, right. and so, I think they they had gotten a bit rowdy and a bit restless. And it's like, okay, we know at least <laughs> at least one of these guys is going to try his hardest in this match. This is the only Goldberg match, by the way, that's on the top one hundred countdown. This is the only one. I believe that, and I think the reason why is. I would put Goldberg and Hulk Hogan on this list as a must-see, but you know why it's not on this list? Because you cannot see it on the WWE Network. It's not available because it was on Nitro and the Nitro wasn't up yet. Ah. And there's no Goldberg DVD set up as far as I believe. No. And the only way you can see it, if you go back and watch the Goldberg Monday Night War, they only show the final you know seconds of that match. So if you want to watch the whole match, you have to go to YouTube. Can't go to the network. But we have DDP and Goldberg. The match lasted an astounding 10 minutes. One of the longer matches somehow in Goldberg's career. 
but one thing that really uh, stuck to me about this match as it was going and going on, and we'll get to some of the cool spots in it, but Bobby Heenan was excellent on commentary here. Hmm. Did you not think so? I thought he was a bit off. I, I was going to actually, in, in my notes, I, I thought when he wasn't talking storyline, I thought Tony Schiavone was great. Oh, Tony Schiavone, he had a moment where Goldberg hit a, uh, or no, DDP hit a Russian leg sweep on Goldberg. Oh, no, I think I know what you're going to say. I don't know if that, I don't think that was, that, that was Tanay. I think you're about to. Nope, that was Schiavone. Oh, okay. That uh, was Schiavone. Go ahead. Go ahead and say, say what it was. Well, he, I might he, have a different moment. DDP hits a Russian leg uh, sweep on Goldberg. Goes for the cover. It's the first cover of the match. And Tony Schiavone sells this like a finish. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. He sells okay. it. He was only a minute away from, or a second away from winning the title. I thought that was it on a Russian leg sweep in the first cover of the match. And I am not hating on it because I thought that was awesome. When, when Tony Schiavone was calling this like a sport, yes. I, was in, I was into this match because it, it's funny because DDP in his earlier career and even at this point, was had a propensity to oversell a bit mm-hmm. on things like he'd get like a reverse atomic drop. And he'd be waving his hands in the air and things like that. That worked in his favor in this match. Oh, absolutely. He because was overselling. these two guys, yeah. these two guys were being brutal with each other. That first, when they both went through the, through the, between the middle and the top rope to the floor, Mm-hmm. When they were fighting, it, it felt like a fight. It, well, that was one of the coolest moments. It happened like in the first, what, yeah. two minutes of the match? Yeah. Because they Goldberg does the lock, they do the lockups. And Goldberg, every time DDP would lock up, he just throws them off into the corner. Yeah. And that happened, I think, three or four straight times. And then they lock up, DDP is able to hold on to it. And to make sure he holds on to it, Goldberg is trying to push him off but can't. And the two stumble through the middle ropes, still locking up. And the referee gets out of the ring to break him up and send him back in. That's when you know. I mean, okay, this is, that was one of the coolest moments to me that I can ever remember in a Goldberg match. Yeah, I, and, and it's, I think what helped that is the fact that both these guys are so tall and made the ring seem that much smaller. Yeah. And that really helped with just the uh, intensity of the match. My other favorite moment in this match was when, I think it was, D, I think DDP did a back leg sweep on Goldberg and Goldberg did the flip and Mike Tanay almost lost his crap laughing. He goes, did Goldberg just do a flip? Yes. Yep. That was today. Yeah. There were just some of these cool moments that I'm watching this match expecting a pretty slow 10 minutes because I couldn't remember much about it. And I don't think I ever remember seeing Goldberg ever doing another standing flip like that in the ring. Well, I could be wrong. And that that. wasn't the only thing we saw. You tell me we're going to see a DDP and Goldberg match. I'm not expecting a Tiltawaro Rana. No. And we got one in this match. No. This, say what you will about WCW kids. They entertained you. This match was so much better than I remember. Yeah. And, and I think it's because I was watching it on Nitro upset that we didn't get to see it the night before on the pay-per-view we paid for. But yeah, I remember, I remember watching this match and thinking nothing special. And now here we are watching this. And and it was just great. Shivani was selling like crazy. I thought Heenan was excellent in this match because there would be times where DDP was doing something like, you know, uh, the big spot was later on when Goldberg is going for the spear. DDP moves and hits his shoulder mm-hmm. on the turnbuckle. Yep. On the uh, pole there. And that plays into the finish. And Bobby Heenan is explaining exactly why that would hurt Goldberg. Yes, that's the point when Bobby Heenan was really on to me. There were other times where he's kind of a little off for my liking, but... I can understand why 
he why you why you're you're propping him so much I, this I, he was really great i thought he was serious when he needed to be serious he was explaining why goldberg or ddp was doing something he was he was talking about uh goldberg weakening ddp's arm too yes to remove any torque from the diamond cutter yes like he wasn't just healing it up he wasn't because first of all both of these guys were baby faces at the time there's no heel so bobby heenan couldn't do his pro heel persona he had to call the match this match was so much better than I remembered it. You're, you, you're exactly right on point on that. It was so much better because I was already kind of jaundiced from NWO and Hogan and Goldberg, and those are the only guys who were ever going to get anywhere in WCW. And now watching this with, like, fresh eyes after not watching it for 10 years. Yeah. I, I, I loved – and it went – I mean, I was like, wow, this is such a short match for them to put it on a must-see match list, but, but it, it goes by so quick. And it's so it goes by quickly. The, the, the heat, the heat of the crowd, and yep. the heat of the match, and the intensity just it just flies by. Because well, the final it. final segments is DDP uh, finally has the advantage. He's signaling for the diamond cutter, but right. while he he's signaling away from Goldberg, so when yeah. he after he's done signaling for it, he turns around. Goldberg's right there with the spear. Right. He tries the jackhammer. This is after he's injured his shoulder and cannot get the jackhammer. Right. He lifts him up a little bit. DDP counters into the diamond cutter. And the crowd lost their mind, thinking they were going to see a finish here because most of the time, no one ever kicks out of the diamond cutter. But Goldberg finally was able to kick out. After a little bit of both men selling down that they had just spent themselves, they get up. Goldberg hits the spear and the jackhammer for the win. Uh, yeah, a much better match. I can, and, I can see this they, being on the oh, top 100 just for the fact that... It's Goldberg. It's Goldberg. And it was Dee. a big win for Goldberg. It was a nice main event there probably aren't a lot of better matches in WCW history for Goldberg as far as in-ring work. And then excitement, the only one I can think of is both the Raven match and the Hulk Hogan match for importance. But those, again, are on a Nitro that you can't find on the network right now. Right, and and they built this match with just simple three lockups where DDP knew he wasn't strong enough to take Goldberg and he had to play a little bit dirty. And a little bit meaner, yeah. And 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 that and that and that the two of them diving to the outside, which is still a magnificent bump, still impresses me. And, and that's why on this, because again, this is the we're running down the list of a hundred must see matches according to WWE.com that are available on the WWE Network. And I think during the process, we can we can kind of go through and actually say if this is must see or not. But so far, we're two for two in matches that kind of are must see. Yes, I would agree. If you're a fan, you should go watch this DDP and Goldberg if you've never seen it or if you haven't seen it since 98. Go watch it, and I think it will exceed your expectations. Yeah, forget that stalker, stalking Undertaker's wife, DDP. Okay, DDP was was a star in WCW, and this is why. You know what we're getting next? I don't, because I don't have the list in front of me. We've gone through 100. (laughs) We've gone through 99. Next is number 98. It is Great Sasuke, Gran Ooh. Hamada. Oh, Barely Legal, right? From ECW Barely Legal. Yes! <laughs> yes! Yes, it's the six man uh, featuring some international talent. So we are going to get to see that from ECW Barely Legal. Can't uh, wait. And then you get into, uh, we actually have both some older matches and then some newer matches coming up in the list later on. Um, we'll, we'll link to the full list. Uh, not the WWE.com website that makes you click page by page for it, but we'll give you a whole list. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes on this episode if you want to kind of follow along and see what's coming up next. But yep, we got some ECW matches next. 
uh, followed by some Raw. And then in a couple of weeks, we're going to get to Natalia and Charlotte from TakeOver of this year. Which we both raved about. We yeah. both love. Yeah, so we're going to have uh, quite an eclectic uh, run here. <laughs> now, Rob, do you remember where you were the first time you saw Natty and Charlotte wrestle? <laughs> I do. I was in this very spot, actually. Yes, and, and we had just finished taping, I believe, or something. <laughs> yes. We'll see if that match lives up to uh, to the current day standards. Um, but yeah, we're going to have the ECW Six Man from Barely Legal um, coming up on the next episode of Shake Them Ropes. I think that's all for this week. Anything else we need to uh, get to before we say goodbye to the fine folks who are listening on this, the U.S. holiday of Thanksgiving? Uh, be safe if you're in the States and if you're, uh, if you're internationally, don't if be you're, safe. If you're, no, if you're, <laughs> if you're internationally, just have a good rest of the week. Have a good weekend. Everybody we will be back talking, uh, the continued push to TLC, uh, next week here on shake them ropes. Have a good one. Bye. In a world of 1 million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and and me, Matt Kuhn, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.